Cybersecurity Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to a new episode of Hackwork. And it's a pleasure to do this show again with my fantastic co-host from Washington, D.C., Tyler Conewood. Yeah, it's. It, I'm really, really excited about this episode. Cryptocurrency and crime. Oh, you spoiled the title. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm just, and I'm just a, so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. And we have a fantastic guest uh, for this topic in the show. It's from Luxembourg, uh, Cohn Maris, and Cohn uh, is a. I mean. He's working since many years in IT security. I mean, see, he's so experienced. Um, and Cohen, maybe you want to introduce yourself with two sentences. Sure. First of all, you confirmed that I'm old. That's great. I was just going to say that. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I, I'm in the cyberspace for a bit more than two decades. And of course, I had great peers to work with uh, from everywhere in Europe and, and slowly from the IT part, I, I got into more governance and, and strategy angles around security. And later, I was involved in the crypto space as I am a, an advisor to the board uh, for the IOTA Foundation. So that's probably what got me here. Very cool, because crypto, crime, and fraud. And I just prepared a short music introduction for all these crypto <laughs> people out there. One second to introduce to this topic. Hey, I think everybody who's in the a little bit had a, had a sneak into the crypto space knows that is, there are many people quite enthusiastic about crypto. And of course, it's amazing what we see, like what's going on with the bitcoins and all this, all this stuff. Um, but where big money is involved, there's also big crime involved, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, of course. I think that it's exciting technology, but unfortunately, the money attracts uh, thieves and other fraudsters. Uh, and I don't think that it will stop as I see the price climbing up. So, and more and more cryptocurrencies are coming. How how, how hard is it to to try to get um, to get any cryptocurrency or money back? If someone's had it stolen or paid some type of ransom, is it, I mean, I know it can be done, but is it really, really hard? Of course, nothing is impossible, but it's definitely very hard and everything depends on the scheme that is used uh, by the fraudsters. Uh, I, I think the majority of the money that is lost is just by, by accident that people forget their key or their seat. Uh, they destroy no their private key uh, accidentally, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I think, let's say, the fraud part is still a minority to all the coins that are lost. It is hard to get it back because of the, let's say, pseudo-anonymous uh, approach of who owns crypto. It's still, if you once collect the money, like we did in one case of IOTA, well, who are you going to give it back to? So. That's a, a complex issue in the end because it's somehow a bit anonymous. Well, it's not really anonymous, but yeah, you link it back to to, to a number which which is the owner of a key. Yeah. So regarding and, and the, if that the, seat the, is lost, Mirko, what happens? Yes, uh, I would say regarding to the stupid people who have lost a seat or the access to the wallet, <laughs> it's as well me. 
who is part of that group. So I'm still looking for the seed uh, for one of my Bitcoin. Uh, but I mean, I was just thinking about this crypto industry, and I'm, I'm I follow, of course, the the crypto tech people a long time. So, like when I got my first Bitcoin, which the seed is lost now. Um, it was the same time when people were buying pizza for it. So uh, I think there was no value in behind. So I really don't care about this Bitcoin. Um, but I was thinking about this was a time where crypto was quite innocent. People were just using it, were happy that they could mine stuff. And a lot of people got big wallets with a lot of Bitcoins and a lot of this um, peers of my network are really rich now. <laughs> Um, which is nice. I mean, it's good for them, but I think it was an innocent time. And then I was thinking about when when was the time that fraud was coming in? What was that shake in the industry in the moment? And to me, it was the fraud of the first big exchange. It was Magox in Japan, 2014. Wow. And for the people out there who doesn't know it, it was almost 800,000 Bitcoins of people lost. I mean, they disappeared from the exchange and even the people didn't recognize it a long time. <laughs> and as far as we know, there, there, there are still 600,000 Bitcoins missing. I mean, that's yeah. an incredible amount of money. Wow. That's insane, uh, of course. I, I think I, I like to look for parallels. And if I look at the parallels of, of computer hacking, for example, if I look back in the 19s, computer hacking was innocent as well. It were just curious people that like to break systems, but not abuse it. It was just pure curiosity in the most, in most of the cases. I think with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it was a bit the same. It was a group of people interested in technology and just proving that it could be done. And, and of course, nobody thought at, at the beginning and the early years of Ethereum and Bitcoin that they would end up with prices as they have today. Um, and and yeah, empty Gox when it went or when it collapsed due to the hack, of course, it created a lot of fuzz and and there was a lot of money uh, lost. But it's it's nothing compared to what the value would be today. And that of course, that big values of money, those attract of course criminals to fraud people or trick people into revealing secrets they they shouldn't uh, reveal. And this will only increase. I'm I'm afraid if the price goes up, well, it becomes more interesting to fraudsters and also to organized crime to steal your money in in any way as possible. Unfortunately, uh, there will be cases in the future. I'm pretty sure that people will be threatened physically just to reveal the wallet. That's just a matter of time. We know that from the past. So, uh, of course, technology will be used to to fraud and steal money, but also physical. Uh, physical aggression will be used. A ransomware, as many say, uh, is a, in, an accelerator of uh, the cryptocurrency mark, uh, market. I, I don't really believe that. I think both existed in parallel and ransomware would also exist if there were no cryptocurrency. So yeah, and you're just uh, yeah. sharing sure. the money still with your um, exactly. suit. Yeah, yeah. Well, crypto, crypto just makes it makes it harder to trace, harder yeah. to to find the money. But if it was you know actual like a credit card, it would be different. 
No, I think yeah. as well from the practical case, I mean, if you did ransom in the past and we had, I mean, look at all this hostages business in the past where, but the problem was that real money needs to be exchanged. And then, you know, if you have to exchange millions in real money, this is really, this is a physical problem. Yeah. How to, and, and it, in the how to carry it. Yeah, and in the crypto space, of course, we already showed that it's it's possible to trace coins. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the FBI found wallets and was able to crack a wallet even. Uh, so, yeah, it is possible. Of course, there are coins there or cryptocurrencies that are very difficult uh, to trace, even impossible, like Monero. I think once it goes into a Monero uh, chain, uh, forget about it. But you have other disadvantages if you use those uh, type of cryptocurrencies. They're, they're more difficult to exchange, and then you have to go back to, to Bitcoin. And at the end, you have to do uh, an AML and a KYC uh, clearance on, on a, let's say, a legitimate exchange. Now, don't forget, you can also trade coins over the counter, and then it becomes less traceable. There's less interest in AML and KYC. But eventually, it needs to end up on a, on a fiat currency account Yeah. where you need to do it uh, yeah. so there are always ways to find it i don't say it's easy but it's not impossible either yeah so at the end it's like for every fraud like follow the money isn't it absolutely any cases follow the money it might be very hard and difficult but that's your trace and don't forget many many of these fraudsters get lazy uh, if they're if they're pushed up in the chain by success they become Uh, I wouldn't say arrogant, but negligence <clears throat> comes into They're their habits and uh, yeah. to the details well, as, as they did in the beginning. You know, there are many examples like that, and I think uh, I've been working on an example like that where negligence was was the reason we found the guy. So, do you do you think the the biggest points of insecurity are the wallet, the exchanges? Or something, or is it something else? Well, exchanges have have not a good track record in being secure in the past. Of course, they are improving as the market is maturing. I good. think it's good that they they institutionalize, as we can say, they become more a mature organization. They apply AML and KYC. They act more like traditional banks. I think that's good for the safety and the security of everyone. But yeah, if I, look, if I trace it back to something simple, it's always us, meaning the user. The dummy user is still the easiest ones to target. Don't try to break technology. It's far more easier to, to hack into the human brain and mm -hmm. trick people to do something they shouldn't do. That's a good point. That's that's a good point. I mean, I think that's really, that that's that's anything in cybersecurity is, They're going to try the easiest route first. And, you know, I do think people can actually be the strongest link, but we're humans and <clears throat> we're not always at our best. And sometimes, you know, these social engineering attacks, they're so well crafted that it just gets through. And all it takes is one hole, one, one letting someone in one time. And there you go. Yeah, exactly. So. I think there's a good example out there, and I know, Kuhn, that you had been as well involved in the forensic uh, afterwards. This was, I think, in 2017 or 2018. There was a big case where wallets of people who are using the cryptocurrency IOTA had been just emptied by other parties. 
and nobody knows yeah. what's going on for a couple of hours or maybe days. Um, so what happened? Uh, I would. It was definitely a, a, a human failure and uh, the human factor was abused. Somebody was clever enough to put on a website to help people generate a seat. And at the time that seat had to be uh, 81 characters all in capital letters and they had to be one nine in it. So it already sounds very complicated for a dummy user. And I agree with that. But of course, this was not uh, technology that was... Uh, in production, it was still a, a beta version at the time, and it still is. Uh, we are still not, let's say, fully production ready yet. Um, and yeah, we warned people don't use that because if if this website would capture the seed, yeah, it would be dangerous. And if you use it, at, at least change five characters. So even if if the perpetrator would save uh, your generated seed, he couldn't use it. Now. Six months go go by, and that thing was online for for six months or a bit more. And on a, on a non particular day, we we got alerts into the Discord channel, and uh, people's uh, wallet was getting emptied, and they didn't know why. So of course, as a cryptocurrency, you look at yourself and you think you you made a major error in your technology. So all that was verified. Uh, we had to stop the network just to avoid. Uh, that wallets uh, continue to be emptied, uh, but it was clear this was a large-scale attack because it was automated. It was going very fast. Uh, in those few hours that the network still was available, I think uh, about 8 million euros in, in value was stolen. And of course, we started to trace back to a few addresses where the, the, they were stored, uh, the, the stolen tokens. And that I have to say, the exchanges were very cooperative uh, in working together with us and also with law enforcement in the later stage to to help us find who did it, but also to to ensure that the tokens were not getting uh, yeah mo moved into another cryptocurrency yeah. just to hide traces. Uh, so yeah, if I can say something positive on this, no, this uh, incident, which was a very negative incident, of course, for everyone, is that law enforcement, IOTA, and the exchanges really cooperated very well. Uh, we could interact freely. And there was an, a good exchange of information and also a good exchange on, on brain power to think about how how to proceed. So for the people who are not so deeply involved in crypto, the seed, let's say, is a passphrase. It it's yeah. creates your secret key for the wallet. And yeah. it should be super long because you need the entropy to get it safe and secure. Yeah. And then the problem for humans is, is as well to create a super long seed. <laughs> exactly. Is Which is random, right? Exactly. Not that you create uh, 80, 80 A's and then one nine, which would fit uh, the requirements, uh, stuff like that. And we know that those seats have been created as well. And we know that they're bots uh, trying to check those, etc. Yeah, so if it becomes complex, people are trying to circumvent the security as well. Uh, complex security is good for professionals like us and, 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 and the people watching perhaps, but it's not good for, let's say, uh, average Joe who likes to use the technology. Technology should be as simple as possible. So for the attacker... It was yeah. a clear observation. So the attacker was watching how seeds, are, how users are generating seeds. He found out it's quite complicated. Maybe it's a chance yeah. to create a website where users can create their seeds. So they were going yeah. to the website. The website, and then they've got all the seeds. 
and then exactly. the more the seeds generated. Yeah, and the more he generated, the more access to wallets he had, uh, mm -hmm. and and of course, yeah, he exploited the vulnerability. People were seeking help, and he provided that help. Oh yeah. my goodness! So the first, I, I, I yeah. oh sorry, go no, ahead. Tyler, go no, no, go ahead. I, I have kind of a crazy question. <clears throat> so, if you're a business and you get a, you get hit with ransomware, <clears throat> the method of payment is is cryptocurrency. So what if you're a business <clears throat> that um, has no cryptocurrency, they don't know anything about cryptocurrency and they get hit by ransomware and, you know, for, for whatever the reason is, maybe it's a hospital and they have to pay the ransom. Um, even though, you know, I know the FBI says not to pay the ransom. In some cases you kind of have to, if it's a hospital, what do they do to get this quick to get the cryptocurrency up and and ready quickly? What what would yeah. you advise for them to do? Don't don't do it yourself. That's for sure. Get advice from people. Most of the the forensics companies that help you recover from ransomware and also are able to to check if the keys they send you back to decrypt the data and 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 recover completely. Uh, from it, they can help you set up the wallet, buy the crypto, also do the payment because it can be quite difficult if you don't know what you're doing. But mm -hmm. also, you need you need to be very careful that you buy crypto on the right exchange, that you have proof from it, that you get, did do the anti-money laundering processes and the KYC because otherwise, in some countries, you could get prosecuted for financing terrorism or terrorism or or, or some criminal yeah. organization so yeah. i would definitely seek advice and don't do it yourself yeah so fact, are there sorry. are there firms that do that do that yeah. is, yeah, yeah. is Tyler, or fact, do they just call you you cone no, no. <laughs> sorry uh, tyler there's an entire industry now in behind which is supporting the cyber security security insurance companies yeah on providing the services because awesome. yeah yeah, I, I'm not really sure if the ones that are helping you, because when you get a ransomware and, and imagine you pay, you get an executable to decrypt your data. And, and then there are companies that verify that executable, that it works correctly, that it, it that all files are, files are recovered correctly. I, I'm not so sure if all those companies uh, are uh, link free from the criminal organizations from time to time. I, I'm pretty I, sure. I can assure you they're not. <laughs> no, yeah, there's always uh, back doors. There's always stuff left behind. Always. There are yeah, great so, examples of stories that the cybersecurity industry itself can always create their own customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm also a bit wary about some of them. Some of them are are legitimate. I know they're real forensics guys behind it, and and they do a lot of effort to help their customers. Uh, like like Mirko said, there is a whole parallel industry in recovering from the ransomware, just as there is now uh, developing an industry on how to acquire bitcoins in a legitimate fashion. Not not that if you buy it on an exchange, it would be illegal, but as an organization, there is a lot that, that comes around it, on, especially on the legal part. Uh, you need to be very careful that you're not uh, getting into money laundering. Yeah. I was wow, that is really interesting because I I, I I had never even considered that if if you you do you could be considered like helping terrorism or or in some countries that's wow yeah 
Yeah. So good advice. I mean, for people who are hit by ransomware, ransomware, um, go to the professionals. They know how to. Yes. Like, yeah. You need advice, whatever you're doing. So coming back maybe to the seed case. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, oh, okay. Now the first stage, this guy, this attack, this guy was. It was a guy. To yeah, it was a guy. Yeah. Spoiler a bit. Was, no, no, but it's, it's no one. His name is no one. Uh, there's no secret yeah. anymore. Okay. So this guy, the first let's say stage of the attack was to set up a website to collect the seeds, to store the passwords so that you get, that you have a, a wallet number of keys you can then use to check for wallets. Yeah. If, if you have the seeds, it's like having the private key of a Bitcoin wallet. You can access the wallet and do transactions. You mm -hmm. have full access to it. What is also interesting is if you have the seed, you can just try to access the wallet without doing any transaction. And okay. that would go unnoticed. So he had a lot of time to prepare uh, accessing these wallets before, let's say, shooting the transactions and, and okay. emptying them. So for his planning, he had the ability to check uh, how many wallets he can access, how many coins or tokens are stored on yeah. the wallets. And exactly. Even to make a plan, what kind of wallets will be transferred first, or, or the biggest one first? Okay, yeah, that we 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 saw. Okay, so that's really organized. Plan. Yeah, yeah, it was really organized. It was he was a smart guy. He was doing a PhD at one of the famous uh, UK universities, so he was definitely a smart guy. Uh, uh, that's for sure. Uh, that also, yeah, asks. Why would he do it if if you're allowed in such a university to do a PhD? You have a, a brilliant career uh, in front of you. Why would you jeopardize it with doing something like this? But we might never know what the motives are. Okay. Then coming back to the day when he performed his fraud. I mean, like it was running a long time. I think more than six months or five months, uh, there was this website. And then it was, uh, how do you say, doomsday? Yeah, doomsday. He just hit a button and all the bots started working and emptying uh, the the wallets. And at the same time, they were split up. So he did a transaction, but not, not all the money at once. It was spread into multiple addresses to, to be recollected in the end and end up in one address. Uh, on an exchange or on multiple addresses on an exchange. Yeah. So he was sending the wallets to different to different. So he was sending from from that wallets to different wallets, uh, which yeah. are under his his control. Okay. Yeah, of course. And these were just let's how should I say it gateways to the next wallet to the next yeah, wallet. Right, to the next. It's kind of like tour. Of, kind of like yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A sort of mixing, but. But not very well done. It it would trace back anyhow. It, it took a lot of work, but the foundation um, put some effort in in writing a tracing tool, uh, how to detect all the transactions and put them in a visual as a visual form, so that the police could make something out of it. Um, I I think to to be honest, there were about eight addresses where everything ended up. As far as I know, it might have changed over time because now it's a police investigation, and of course, yeah. I'm not involved in that. It ended up around eight addresses uh, that he used uh, through a VPN tunnel. He accessed those. He even used fake IDs and stuff like that to get past the the KYC stuff. 
Uh, I think, yeah, he made an error. Uh, I'm not going to reveal what the error was uh, here live. It will be revealed uh, once the arrest is over or yeah. when once he is prosecuted. But I know there are additional delays because, yeah, you know how court goes. Defense can always delay and yeah. postpone. And yeah. But so far, it sounds like an almost perfect criminal stunt. I think he was too greedy, like many criminals are. Um, I, I, I don't. What was the name again of the first really good ransomware? It was not Petea or something like that, yep. uh, or the one before. Uh, there are so many that I tend to forget them. Uh, of course, like I said, I'm old, so that plays. Uh, so my memory is limited. Um, so I, I think if if they would be less greedy, I think if you write tomorrow a ransomware and you ask $150. Uh, You, you would get far more uh, success if you infect all the PCs or $50 even. Yeah. People would pay the $50 just to get peace of mind and, and recover their pictures back. If you ask $500, they will say, I oh, forget about it. I'm not going to pay that. Uh, I'll try to restore whatever I can restore and uh, lost is lost. <clears throat> uh, so here he was too greedy. I think if he would have stopped after when he knew, when he knew that the network was down, if we would have stopped there and put everything into Monero at that time, it would have probably been lost. Yeah. yeah. Or, or if he had done it slowly, like um, just take one wallet and the others, everything's fine. Have other sites where he's just taking one and, and, you know, taking the time with it and being patient, you know, and not trying to get it all at once. Maybe he would have gotten away with it. Yeah, may, maybe. I know that is, is a typical uh, attack we do in the banking sphere where we, we call it salami attack. You slice up everything in, in, in little pieces and, and then you transfer it. And on big accounts in a bank, it would it could go unnoticed. I don't think in crypto it would go unnoticed. People check their wallets regularly. Mm. Uh, I know very few whales that uh, whales, uh, for the record, are people holding a big bag. Of, of tokens that have high value today. So they're really rich people. Um, I think they check regularly, they monitor. If you play your own bank, you also have to play with the own risks uh, that you bear, uh, right. which is sometimes difficult, but it could have worked. I think greed is the killer huh? and, and negligence over time. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm happy I, that, that, that he was greedy and negligent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I have a friend working in the in, in the cyber forensics part in, in, in Holland. Uh, he has the same uh, first name as I have, Kuhn. Uh, and he told me once, uh, one of the, the guys they arrested, he told them, look, I'm only a criminal when I'm convicted. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was definitely a criminal, but he's right. You're only a criminal if you get caught and convicted, uh, right? So, yeah, those ones are the good ones, uh, difficult to catch, but Yeah, sometimes time helps. Huh? I know you're not in law now involved in this whole law enforcement and what what is going on for the trial. But what would be might he has to face uh, for justice for it? Is it? I I don't know what the sentence could be. Yeah. Uh, uh, he I think he has nine cases, yeah. and eight are I think eight are confirmed of something. It was at a certain point on a website from the UK police. So I'm not telling anything secret here. Um, I'm afraid for him that they will set example here. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I, I see definitely in the world and especially in law enforcement that this is a really 
a really annoying issue. Uh, these are the type of criminals you don't see them. You don't know how they look like. You don't know where they live because they live in cyberspace and cyberspace is very, very big. Um, and they want to set example because it's very annoying. Like, like in the IOTA case, I don't know how many hundreds of people are victims. So that's a lot of victims, you know, mm -hmm. if you do attacks like this, a lot of people are involved and you can say uh, people lost a wallet with at the time of a value everything of 150 had, euros. You know? Yeah, but it's everything they had because, right. you know, people in Lebanon, which which has been unfortunately hit hard by an explosion some time ago, for them, this is a way to increase um, the, their personal value by investing in something like this. And if it then gets stolen, I mean, their lives are shattered. Everything. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. And I feel very sorry for them. And I'm really happy if we can come to a day to recover. Uh, we know that we have recovered about 70 to 80% of the stolen tokens, I think. But now we need to, to they need to find their way back to the people. And that will be very difficult. Do you, do you think the new cryptocurrency credit cards because I know that um, you know if you have a credit if you have a credit card with a bank here in the United States um, or a bank account and the account gets stolen or the the card's compromised um, and it wasn't you you get back a hundred percent of what was spent. Do you do you think there will be some sort of new types of security in these credit cards? Um, new ways if something happens for people to get their money back? Or do you think that it makes the threat landscape even larger? Yeah, I think it makes the, the lands threat landscape even larger. If I look at the tendencies of the banks today, it's to re uh, they, they are not so keen anymore on, on reimbursing the lost money or make you recover the lost money. I don't think that crypto card uh, uh, cryptocurrency uh, the credit cards will be different. I think if it's lost, it's lost, to be honest. Um, yeah, like I said, if you like to play your own bank, you, you also have to play by your own risks. And if you are very risk-taking, that can be very expensive, uh, of course. Uh, I, I don't see, let's say, a trend in the market where where companies tend to say, well, we reimburse everything. Even cyber insurance, they are are covering less for more money. I was just going to ask, well, what about cyber insurance, personal cyber insurance for cryptocurrency? Is that something that that is worth getting? Does it exist? I don't know if, if that one, that's a very good question. And, and I had it a, a few weeks ago as well. Would there be a personal cyber insurance in the future? Maybe. But if I look at the market today, and especially if I if I hear the feedback from the big insurance insurance companies in cyber, they say it's it's a non-insurable risk. Cyber they they make about if if the loss ratio in, in some companies is about three hundred percent, so that's a lot. So if, if they could go bust on this if they continue like this, yeah. so I, I don't think that's a good idea to continue. I don't know. In physical security, if you are a VIP, if you could get physical uh, protection and insurance in case you, you are a victim of, of being captured hostage for ransom. I don't know. So I, I doubt that this would be a, a thrilling market for them to make money. <laughs> it's too early. That's a, that's a really, really good point because if 
so many companies get broken into, they pay out on it. And cybersecurity is probably not the the best moneymaker for some of the some insurance companies. No, I, I think the difficulty that they have is how can I judge that you you are good in cybersecurity as a company, right? Yeah, I have heard so far. I have heard from the insurance industry that they are really in sorrow of this all these policies uh, and, and contracts they made in the early years of the cybersecurity insurance <laughs> because they were not very well calculated. No, it's just I, an assumption. <laughs> exactly, it's just an assumption. Like many of the risk management approaches we have, it's it's heavily targeted on impact and probability. And if you're very good in judging probability, you should play the lottery and not be in risk management. I think yeah. uh, you could far, make far more money than than being in risk management. It's it's a difficult thing. I think <laughs> may, maybe yeah, we should is. think about about if if you are making systems and IT equipment that there should be some form of of yeah how should I call it certification like we do with with cars. Cars cannot go on the road unless they have uh, a set of safety measures integrated in them. They are tested and again tested and again tested like with aviation. I don't see that in software today. I don't see a lot of testing on security in software. Hence the reason we have probably so many bugs. I agree it's very complex and I agree with all that. But maybe there should be something like that. I don't have the real answer on this. But at least we need to have a minimum viable standard for security. And that's what I'm missing. ISO is is a good standard, but it says something about effectiveness and not efficiency. And if we're coming back to tokens and crypto, really which point. is our episode's main topic, I mean, what I've seen out there is, of course, it's a lot of these technologies are early stage, alpha, beta. And even I know that a lot of transactions had been going wrong, let's say it in that way, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. there have been wrong protocol implement- implementations or bugs in there. And I mean, Sometimes I wonder how, how, what kind of amounts people are investing in token technologies and then we see what kind of bugs are popping up in the protocols. Yeah, I think I fully agree with you. I wonder even if, if some of these big bag holders, uh, well, how much do they understand about the technology they invested in? Some just invested it because it was attractive in buying it at a certain stage and then maybe got attracted by a pump and dump scheme uh, uh, later on. I I mean, if I'm honest, uh, yeah, Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, they are still there because the protocols have been proven to work. And of course, they have had their issues as well. But yeah, if you're there for a decade or longer, I think you have a proven track record. And and of course, this has nothing to to do with my role in IOTA. This is my personal opinion. We need to be careful in what we invest, and and cryptocurrencies is a bit the wild west of of the exchanges today. And uh, look at it as, as stock exchanges years ago, everybody could could invest, and then when it collapsed, everybody cried. Uh, we will probably head for the same thing. Uh, it, I don't know when, but it will probably happen. There will be another collapse. There will be another uh, another downfall of the value. That's that's normal. People do not know in what they invest, and that's dangerous. In a technology company, you know in 
in what you invest. You invest in a business, in a business plan, in a leader, etc. In cryptocurrency, you invest in technology. We've seen that in 2000 with the dot-com bubble. People were investing in technology they didn't understand with all the consequences. Wow. So in the level of maturity, what I see is like, I mean, the question of fraud and money. I mean, it's like when, when the first money was coming into place, there was as well the first fraud coming into place, isn't it? Like there's a big, big tradition of how people are printing their own banknotes and uh, money or how I think on, on the coins when the silver has been just uh, moved away on slight pieces from the coins. I mean, there was always fraud in there. Yeah, so, of course. And at the time you could easily counterfeit. Exactly. And that is, of course, <laughs> let's say impossible with crypto. You cannot counterfeit a Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. it, 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 will, it will be seen right. afterwards. It, uh, it hash so is the to, same or not? Yeah. yeah. So the hash would be the same. So there would be a collision and, and, and it would end up in problems for you. So that's the good thing about these cryptocurrencies. Counterfeiting is, <laughs> is excluded. But of course, then you need to find other ways to steal it. Uh, and that's probably what, what the goals are today, uh, steal the money. And of course, there are a lot of opportunities to steal Bitcoins from somebody. Uh, one is attacking your wallet. One is phishing. Uh, another one is on Discord trying to fish you or, or some other uh, favorite uh, tool you use yeah, to chat with the, people. The, yeah. <laughs> so wow. this will probably continue. And I, I don't see how we can get rid of this uh, Unless we train people because awareness is not enough, they also need to be trained. Uh, some train themselves by doing it the hard way and lose the money. Others, they will, will follow courses. I know in the, in the aftermath of the IOTA event, uh, I got a lot of questions on, from people. What can I do to improve my, my security on that? And I, I, I was amused by it because this gave me real interaction with people who are, are less tech savvy than, than most of them that interact with me. So we started to write blog posts on it, how to improve your security, improve the seed, where you should store it, where you shouldn't store it, uh, stuff like that. Basic security. I think that lacks for, let's say, uh, 80% of the people uh, browsing on the web. Is it like, wow. I mean, we, if we talk about crypto, we are talking about as well a community or the crypto has it based on a community which was a lot about freedom, Uh, libertarianism, uh, stuff like that. So now, as it lost is innocent, um, is it that regulation is now stepping in? So, yeah, yeah. I think, of course, I'm also for freedom. Uh, I, I also for private. I'm for privacy. People should not be surveilled. But of course, the the ones that are sometimes crying the hardest that surveillance is bad and governments are monitoring us are the ones most active on Facebook. So uh, there, <laughs> there is a bit of contradiction as well, I think. So uh, we need to be careful with what we say, of course. But I think, yeah, let's be honest. We need some regulation. We need some rules at least to play the game. Uh, KYC and AML is definitely needed in this space just to to get rid of, of the fraudsters. And as long as you can... Um, laundry money with it uh, it will be attractive for a lot of criminals yeah. you know what are, are you writing a book about this 
you <laughs> no. should. I'm serious. You really should. <laughs> I'm a bad writer, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> However, we are happy that you are here on the podcast, and uh, well, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it was it was already an amazing, uh, amazing uh, story. So, what I just want to come back to this fraud case. What I was wondering about, if I think normally about crypto crime and stuff like that, if we think about the criminals. The picture which is transported in the media is, well, they are from, let's say, Asia or best North Korea, which, yeah. which is hacking the crypto wallets, evil North Korea or it's Russia or whatever. And then if we look into the re reality, because this is not the only case, I know that people from that this are brilliant minds from Western universities who are, so do we have a wrong picture in the media? Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, some of the media is very biased to to make it a geopolitical game uh, and not presenting the facts or in an objective way. Uh, that I I for sure think so. I I get threat intel from my Asian colleagues, which is completely different than the threat intel that I get from my UK colleagues, and that's fine. I'm happy with that. And we we are smart enough, uh, and a lot of people are smart enough to interpret and read between the lines. Um, I think we we need to distinguish the political agenda and the reality. Mm -hmm. I, I think yes. criminals are everywhere. They're not concentrated in one country. If you tend to believe that, those days are over. Uh, I mean, there is the Italian mobster gangs. They are still active, but they're not only active in Italy. They are everywhere in the world. And right. it's no different with Russian crime gangs or Chinese crime gangs or or Japanese mobsters. I mean, they're everywhere. Or for that matter, Belgian or Luxembourg criminals. I mean, they exist as well. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's let's keep those two separated, in my opinion, and then you get a clearer picture of what could happen. Yeah. So by that, I, I think this was an almost brilliant final statement from you for this conversation. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I always have something to say and I'm like kind of speechless. I'm so fascinated by what you by what you said. You got my <laughs> mind going in like circles. Yeah. So <laughs> thinking, thinking. No, thank you very much for joining the conversation and let, just let me wrap it up. It's whatever it is about crypto fraud, there is a lot of social fraud always the base on it it's not only a technical topic this is a lot about humans and humans are getting mm -hmm. cheated and uh, humans Absolutely. are the victims at the end yeah. this was amazing so for Absolutely. the people out there thanks for listening if you like the show and if you have any comments just yeah, give us a rating and put the comments in there And as well, we will add a little bit more information about Cohen and, and the work into the show notes. And by that, I say thank you very much for listening to Hackwork. Thank you. Thank you. Follow us at hackwork.io 